It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, all anyone is talking about is the Scott Fishbowl. Welcome, everybody, to the Two Point Stance, powered by FantasyPoints.com. I'm your boy, Brian Drake. Follow me on the Twitter machine, at Drake Fantasy. Joined, as always, by my main man, Joe Dolan. He's at FG underscore Dolan. Joe, Scott Fishbowl Week is upon us. Drafts kick off in earnest on Monday. You and I are veterans of this great contest, and we're going to get into the scoring and the background and all that. But before we bring our guests on, how excited are you to be a part of Scott Fishbowl? You know, do you look forward to it every single year? Well, look, first and foremost, of course I look forward to it. It's, it's great for the community. By the way, Drake, um, let me uh, say it's great to hear your voice again. I've been doing the Franchise Focus podcast series, which has been breaking my brain uh, for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. I have We've released our – we're recording this on Saturday the 8th, releasing it on the 9th. So if you're listening to it today, it's today, but it's actually yesterday for us. Um, speaking of breaking your brain there a little bit. Uh, um, so, uh, I, I've been great to hear your voice. Great to have you back. I know you, you've had some life things going on, but now the Scott fishbowl, who I, I think my first one might've been Scott fishbowl seven. Um, uh, this is now Scott fishbowl 13. Scott fish does a great job for, um, uh, fantasy cares, uh, great charity that, I mean, he's, the best guy in the fantasy industry nobody can deny that and and it's just kind of a i think for a lot of folks for fantasy twitter at least it's kind mm-hmm. of the start of fantasy football season everybody you know you're gonna see, you're gonna see everybody on twitter or threads or wherever the hell people are going these days because uh social media is a black hole um it's gonna just be people posting gifts of the players they drafted and then they'll be like at one six and it's just a gif of Tyree kill doing some dance you know like yeah. that's what that's, that's what everybody great. does with their Scott fishball but now it's a it's a great thing um, that people are gonna be involved in um, I hope everybody bought a t-shirt you know because all of that goes to fantasy cares uh, I bought my Scott fishball 13 t-shirt they're great t-shirts by the way they're incredibly comfortable um, and I got mine I live in South Carolina so I got mine with the uh, the waffle house lettering um, that says Scott Fishbowl 13. I thought that was the, uh, somebody complimented me on that shirt at the Apple store. It, it was like wow. a middle-aged woman. And she was like, where'd you get that shirt? And like, I thought she was about to say like, uh, she was in Scott Fishbowl. No, she just really wanted her name in the Waffle House style. So <laughs> I said, well, this is just for a fantasy football tournament, but I'm sure you can get a shirt like this somewhere because I have to imagine Waffle House uh, adjacent uh, apparel is popular in the South. So anyway, there's my tangent. Welcome to the program, Drake. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Scott Fishbowl 13 is the largest season-long fantasy football league in the whole world. It boasts thousands of players, including fantasy analysts like Joe and I, celebrities like Joe and I, athletes. All right, I can't put us in there. And of course, you guys, the casual football fan. There's so many of us that are just in this league. The draft kicks off in earnest Monday, 10 a.m., 3,300 teams. Wowza. That makes 275 12-team divisions in a 22-round slow draft. Yes, there are some live leagues out there, but uh, the majority of this is going to be a slow draft. And here's how it works. The contest runs as your normal league would with weekly waivers and divisions. The regular season runs weeks 1 through 11. Then the playoffs begin. From there, it's this weekly sprint 
where your weekly scoring average is added to your current week score. That goes until week 17 when a champion is crowned. Again, all for charity. SFB hopes to raise over $100,000 for fantasycares.org. And if you want to make a difference in some kids' lives, I implore you to check out fantasycares.org and donate. I've done so in the past. All the money goes to buying some great gifts for kids. So that's the basics. What aren't the basics are the rules. And that's why we enlisted the help of fantasypoints.com staff writer Ryan Heath to join us and break down some of the quirky rules and how we can project the scoring for this season by seeing what these maniacal rules did last season. So let's welcome Ryan into the show. You can, of course, follow Ryan on Twitter at QBLRyan. Ryan, welcome back to the Two Point Stance and great article over at FantasyPoints.com about the Scott Fishbowl, man. You excited? I am excited, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Drake. Yeah, I just love these leagues where it's weird scoring because it creates an advantage if you're kind of a freak like me and like to like create all these spreadsheets and see how this affects different players and what the optimal strategies are, then it gives you a really big edge. So yeah, the Scott Fishbowl, aside from obviously being an amazing community and charity event every single year, I, I just find it a really fun kind of intellectual challenge because I, I take everything way too seriously and am way too strategic in everything I do in my life. And you're right about that. It's knowing the rules. That's how I've done so well in this contest the last two years. I was telling you guys off air, I've won back-to-back division championships. Last year, finished the regular season in the top 20. I was in the top 10 for a while. Uh, and it's just because you have to know the rules. And as we go through this, I noticed something with your article and just reading through the ruling, preparing for the draft on Monday. It almost takes what everyone's doing right now in fantasy football and flips it on its head. Everyone, as Joe likes to say, is wide receiver drunk on underdog. Well, that's not really going to help you as much here in the Scott Fishbowl. Old school grinder running backs that nobody wants to draft. Those guys are kind of in vogue here in the Scott Fishbowl with some of the scoring. And, oh, by the way, it's a super flex league, so people are going to be going bananas drafting these uh, quarterbacks and especially some tight ends. Let's get things kicked off right there, Ryan. Six points for all touchdowns. That's passing, rushing, and receiving. They're also going to give a quarter, uh, one point one points per purse down passing. Uh, the passing yards, you know, it's uh, one point for every 25. What do you think about this six-point passing touchdown for quarterbacks? It, it kind of devalues the running QB a little bit, and it props up some of those guys who maybe aren't as, you know, uh, proficient with their legs, let's say. Yeah, definitely. The running QBs, while they are going to be getting the first down bonuses for the rushing, the guys that are elite passers obviously get that additional scoring on the touchdowns and as well as, as a bonus for passing first downs. So it, I, in my opinion, it kind of equals out. I don't think the who is good at the QB position is going to be wholly different than in a normal league. But what it, I think the biggest effect it has is just the QB landscape in general. It, the floor is raised a lot. If mm-hmm. guys have a lot of pass attempts, then they're going to score a decent amount of points in Scott Fishbowl, even if it's not a quarterback that we generally think of as very elite. So I, my just looking at the QB scoring, the floor is just so high for QBs that you have to have a QB two in your super flex 
every single week. I uh, I mean they're outscoring the they're outscoring wide receivers and other like flexible players by so much that as long as you kind of have any QB two, you're probably gonna be okay. So Ryan, um, one of the things that happened in last year's Scott Fishbowl was extreme amounts of negative points for for quarterbacks for sacks, incompletions, and I think Scott broke that down because he wanted to kind of even out the huge advantage that running quarterbacks have even in a scoring system where you get a point for completion or whatever um he rolled back those rules this year i'm not really sure what what scott's official explanation was but what did that do to the quarterback scoring when you compared last year's results to this year's um projected results based on last year's finishers sure so Basically, you've still got like your elite tier, your Josh Allen's, your Jalen Hurts's, your Patrick Mahomes that are providing like really, really insane value, kind of like they did in normal leagues last season. Uh, but you've also got basically bad QBs, bad real life QBs are just better. Like the, guys like Carson Wentz and Taylor Haneke and Matt Ryan were scoring well over 20 fantasy points per game in Scott Fishbowl 13 scoring last year. So as opposed to if you had all of these negative indicators or negative uh, points for sacks and interceptions and incompletions, last year it was really hard to not have two very good QBs. Now I think you can get by. Yeah, so like last year, for instance, there there was a point and I think Scott just maybe wanted to make it a little bit easier for people to play it this year, not get to. But there was there was real threats, if you don't remember, to your quarterback actually putting up negative points in a week. If he had sure. if he had two interceptions and he was getting assaulted be, because of his offensive line wasn't playing well, your quarterback could have negative five points. I mean, that's not happening this year. So like like you said, like I actually had I had Justin Fields last year. And until like the midway point of the season, he was like a net negative on my roster, even with the rushing, because the passing was so bad. Um, that is not the case this year. So um, I, I expect, I, I think a lot of teams are going to try to go quarterback, quarterback in the first two rounds. At least, at least I'm thinking of doing that. So um, that's, that's far much more available in this year's scoring, I think. I, I've looked up uh, a couple of drafts that have already started over the weekend, some live drafts. And you're seeing between seven and eight quarterbacks go off the board. Here's a this is a live draft from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Travis Kelsey went at the 101. We'll get into why that is in a second. But then it went Allen, Mahomes, Hertz, Lamar, Joe Burrow at the 106. That's the selection I have uh, in this year's draft. Justin Fields at 107, Herbert, uh, and then you, we, our last QB in the first round was Trevor Lawrence at the 110. The last team to take a quarterback was the team who drafted at the 101. He waited all the way until the sixth round, ended up with Matt Stafford, and followed that up with uh, Bryce Young. So with that kind of scoring, what do you think about – let's get in a little strategy session here, guys. Taking the two QBs right off the bat or maybe waiting a little bit. I know myself – Last year, I, I think I passed. I took Christian McCaffrey at the 106, and then I came back. I got Hurts later, and then I got Fields much later, uh, and it helped me just put up a bazillion Wait, points. You got Hurts in the second round Yeah, in Scott Fishbowl. He went 1-1 in my draft last year. Yeah, I got Christian McCaffrey at the 1-6, and then uh, 
these drafts are so wild, man. Um, so let me let me just throw it out there, and then we'll go to Ryan, who is going to wax poetic here. I like everybody. You do get a choice at like what preference you have for your draft slot, and I I I just wanted. I said eh, three or four, and I wanted basically I wanted one of Mahomes, Allen, or Hurts. I don't care which one I get. I'm going to draft one of those guys. Um, I am drafting quarterback. Though I have the third pick in the Heineken division, and I am getting one of those three guys. And then we'll see how it falls. Um, if everybody goes, it like for instance, if, if like Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins is there in the second round for me with this scoring, I'm taking them. Like I'll I'll get my my hammer with Allen, and then I'll have Steady Eddie with like Prescott or or Cousins. Ryan, I don't know what you think. You took the fourth pick because you think, and and we'll get into this. Uh, well, the tight end scoring. Let's get into the tight end scoring. You took the fourth pick because you're aligned with me, except you're adding Travis Kelsey to the equation. He just went one, one in, in Drake's draft. Um, I think it talking a casual fantasy player into taking a tight end in the first round, even one as good as Kelsey is often difficult, but one, one is in the cards in this scoring for Travis Kelsey. It absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, just, Looking at last year, there were only four players who scored more SFB 13 points than Travis Kelsey did. Uh, they were Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Pat Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. So e even just off of total points, Kelsey is very clearly in that tier of guys that can be giving you that insane advantage every single week. But then when you go and compare it to, okay, what would a baseline tight end be? So if there's 12 tight ends in starting lineups across the league, then Kelsey averaged 17.1 fantasy points per game more than the tight end 12 did in this Scott Fishbowl 13 scoring last year. That is pretty much the same as the gap between Josh Allen and the QB 24. So Kelsey is the only tight end that's capable of this. Uh, if you have to pick between Travis Kelsey to finish as the tight end one or any individual quarterback to finish as the QB one, I think you should probably bet on Kelsey there. So just kind of for all those reasons, that's why I really like Kelsey. Even going down just one player, the tight end two in Scott Fishbowl 13 scoring last year was Mark Andrews. Kelsey outscored him by 9.4 fantasy points per game. Uh, to compare it to like running backs, that was the same difference at, uh, between Saquon Barkley and Tyler Algier. So Kelsey wow. just gives you an insane, insane advantage at the tight end position that nobody else in your draft will be able to replicate. So what's different about the tight end scoring from like a, an average league that makes the gap? Uh, we should definitely explain that to the people. Like this is this is tight end premium. We talk, Drake and I talk tight end premium all the time. FFPC. This is tight end premium on steroids. <laughs> so yeah. like yeah, what what is the scoring, Ryan, and why is Kelsey at such a huge advantage there? So tight ends get an additional point for every receiving first down and an additional point for every single reception. So basically their bonuses are doubled over what wide receivers are. So it just makes it so much easier for tight ends to be viable in starting lineups. They're even going to be flex viable. Like the, this is making, uh, say, the wide receiver 36 be outscored by, like, the tight end 18, if just looking wow. at the scoring last year. So it, think about that again. Just, I want to reiterate that for the folks out there. You're looking at a guy, and I think you gave an example in here 
uh, in your article available at fantasypoints.com of, I think, was it like Kyle Pitts or somebody? Or maybe of Pat Fryermuth? Pat Fryermuth is going off the board, as he did in, in one of these Buffalo drafts that I happen to have the draft board for. He went off the board at 6'5", six, uh, six, right there. Guys going around him include like Hollywood Brown, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins. You're saying Pat Fryermuth is a better value points-wise than all of those quote-unquote high-end wide receiver twos. Yeah, you would probably, if you were deciding between them in the flex, you would most likely, Fryermuth would most likely be projected for more points on a weekly basis. That's just the insane advantage tight ends have in this format, but it, obviously it has also widened the gap between the one very elite tight end and all of the others. So one of the things that I'm I'm considering doing here, and and, and I might I might bring up my whole strategy as a whole. This scoring, which is like point per reception, point per first down for you know running backs and wide receivers. I I always say in normal leagues, a guy like a Tyler Boyd, okay, he's he's a I call him a mercenary because he's going to end up on five different PPR fantasy teams in your league a year because he's going to be the last guy on your bench who oh I need five catches for fifty yards I'm putting Tyler Boyd in my lineup and then I'm going to cut him for an upside guy and then he's going to do the same for your buddy next week and then another buddy the next week. The one thing that I have noticed about like this scoring is a boring tight end. Let's just say I I don't mean to insult him too much, but let's just say Dalton Schultz, somebody who's going to probably catch 60 passes for 570 yards. And he's going to, he's going to get you five yards on third and four, which is what he did with Dallas. That guy is so infinitely more valuable in this scoring than Tyler Boyd is like Ryan. I think one strategy I might consider is almost punting wide receiver. And yes. how viable is that in Scott Fishbowl? Because it, on underdog, you're talking about the wide receiver. The wide receiver 36 gets drafted by like the end of the seventh round on underdog. Uh, and, end of the sixth round. The tight end 18 doesn't get drafted to like the 13th round. I throw it out if you've been doing underdog draft because how viable, Ryan, is punting at the wide receiver position right now? I think it's very viable, and we've talked about like a hero RB strategy in underdog drafts. I think you could almost do a hero wide receiver strategy in Scott Fishbowl because the top like few wide receivers do offer a good positional advantage, but at, especially after like the top 10 guys, the scoring just flattens out so much. And while there are four flex spots in these starting lineups, Normally, you'd say, okay, more flex spots, wide receivers are more important. I need to draft more of these wide receiver three type of guys. The scoring has made it so that you can start fringier running backs and even fringier tight ends in those flex spots above the Tyler Boyd types. Uh, and to your point, Joe, Tyler Boyd averaged 12.8 fantasy points per game last season. Dalton Schultz was over 16 in this scoring last year. So, yeah, I think you you have to obviously you have to fill your three wide receiver spots, but I don't think you need to draft a ton of wide receiver depth because you're not going to want to flex them as often as you would normally feel inclined to in a regular league. I want to sh share this with you guys because again, we're using real-time data here from drafts that happened over the weekend. You mentioned Joe uh, the tight end, Dalton Schultz. Last year in Scott Fishbowl, he would have been tight end 11 at 16.4 points. That would equate to the same amount of points per game as Chris Olave last wow. year. Wow. Chris Olave in a draft in Buffalo over this weekend went at the 4-7. Dalton 
Dalton Schultz went eight six. Yeah, so, I think if 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 my what I'm hoping is that in my draft and hope I hope the Heineken division doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> all's fair. It tells you all's so fair. much about you and me. You're in Heineken. I'm in Miller Lite. Yeah, yeah. All's fair in in love and fantasy football. Uh, but uh, I hope no nobody listens to this because I like Drake. If I see wide receivers go off the board, you everybody knows this feeling. Okay, you're in a fantasy draft and you start seeing guys come off the board who you just do not have on your target list. You're like, that's a free pick because I wasn't drafting that guy anyway. It's just going to push. If I see some of these wide receivers, like especially the guys who you're going to see going in like the third round on Scott on a underdog draft, DK Metcalf, DK uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Calvin Ridley, all these guys who were going in like the third round on underdog. Those are the guys I probably am just not even going to dabble in, in these drafts. So I think those are going to be free picks for me. Um, I'll get my, I'll get my, I probably am going to draft at least two tight ends. I know I'm drafting two quarterbacks, but this scoring flipping the wide receiver position on its head, I think is by far the most, uh, the most interesting part of this scoring. Now uh, let's, let's talk about that as it relates to running backs though, Ryan, because in order for wide receivers to be like, I think Chris Olave was probably, a, I don't know about overvalued in that, but he was, the tight ends were undervalued in comparison to Chris Olave. What is the scoring like for running backs? And why does it make running backs more valuable uh, than they're being drafted in best ball so far? Yeah. So for running backs, what really matters is the first down bonus uh, for rushing, especially because a lot of these running backs that are often used in like these short yardage situations. If you pick up one yard on third and one, that that's like a full point for yeah. Scott Fishbowl. So, and what it does is it kind of changes a little bit the running backs that are really valuable in fantasy. So the top scoring running back in this scoring last year was actually Josh Jacobs uh, and guys like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, even Damian Pearson, Jonathan Taylor were some of the biggest winners for this scoring compared to regular PPR. I mean, your Christian McCaffrey's and your Austin Eckler's still did fine. They were still yeah. top three running backs, but there's de definitely a difference. You probably you want to shift your mindset on the types of running backs that are valuable in this format. I, I was asking Drake, uh, Nathan Zagura uh, from the Cleveland Browns, um, if, if Nick Chubb's going to get more work in the passing game this year. Uh, mm. And he was like, Joe, I know why you're asking it. I know, but he's like, I'm really not sure he is. It doesn't matter in Scott Fishbowl though, mm -hmm. because like, because the rushing aspect is what we care about. Though the, I don't, Drake, do you remember Adrian Morrell? Did he go to West Virginia? Yeah. Uh, yes, but he played for the Jets and the Cardinals in his career. And okay. go look at his numbers. And he was like a 300-carry, 1,100-yard guy in the NFL. Uh, like, uh, just uh, uh, the prototype of a player who just does not exist anymore. Mm -hmm. This scoring's for you, Adrian Morrell. This this scoring is for you. You would have been valuable in Scott Fishbowl 13. Uh uh, Adrian Morrell was uh, like the prototype of like the grinded out running back in the mid nineties. Ryan, that those, that Adrian Morrell is before your time, but go look up his numbers and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and Drake, I want to see the draft board there. Where, where are these like grinded out running backs getting drafted here? I'm, uh, I'll actually share it here. This is from the anchor bar draft in buffalo you mentioned damian pierce and this is why i said at the beginning why have i done so well in this draft 
You've got to know the rules and how it applies to players. It used to be back in the day they would give uh, points per for completion percentage. So my first draft pick every year was Drew Brees. I don't know why nobody else thought of this. Like, yeah. So you mentioned uh, Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce scored in this uh, setup the exact same amount of points as C.D. Lamb. Wow. Damian Pierce, on average. Uh, so Damian Pierce in this draft in Buffalo went at the 6-7. C.D. Lamb went in the middle of the third round. There's advantages to be had there. Absolutely. Let me I see mean, I, I just throw I just think board I, up here. I just think so you I'm guys gonna see it. I just think I'm gonna punt the wide receiver position. Now, I mean that doesn't that doesn't mean like Ryan, like Justin Jefferson's still going to have like a, a incredible value in this scoring, right? I mean, we're not we're not being we're, we're not overthinking this, but he's still gonna have big time advantage in this scoring. Yeah, so the the top wide receivers like Justin Jefferson were actually slightly more valuable than the top running backs in this scoring last year, and at least in the way I look at it in terms of value over replacement. And the but the reason for that isn't because Justin Jefferson's scoring way more points than running backs. It's because all of the other wide receivers are scoring so many fewer points that yeah, it's like okay, it's honestly almost think of it like tight end in a normal league. Like, all right, if an elite tight end doesn't score as many fantasy points, but it's a big advantage over the rest of the position that's just really, really kind of garbage. That That's sort of the feeling I get with wide receivers in this scoring. So we're looking right now at the Anchor Bar live draft, which which um, what, uh, is happening in Buffalo. Uh, what I think what I think these live drafts are do, by the way, is I think it's the first 10 rounds are live and then they just switch to um, yeah. the, the, the online format. There is one draft pick in the middle of this board that is just staring me in the face and I think is going to be a league-winning draft pick. Hmm. It's Alexander Madison in the seventh round. Ooh. He went, Yeah, he went 7-5 to our uh, – uh, is that Mike Shop? Our guy, so, Shop, Shop Talk? So, look, like, I mean, that's a glaring advantage. Like, Alexander Madison – there was there there was a little bit of a of a back and forth on there. Oh, I love him for fantasy after they released Alvin Cook. Oh, now he's going to be overdrafted. But w- carries matter in this format. We know Minnesota's still going to run it to some extent with without Dalvin Cook there. I mean, Alexander Madison right now is unchallenged on the roster. They have a, a second year fifth rounder. They had a seventh rounder this year, but Alexander Madison got a new contract this offseason. Like the, this is this is how you're gonna this is how I think I'm gonna build my team. I am going to just let these running backs fall to me. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'll take I'll take big time receivers. Like maybe I'll try to for one or two, and then I'm just like I think I'm gonna ignore the wide receiver position the rest of the draft. That which leads me to another point. One of the reasons I've made the playoffs in Scott Fishbowl the last couple of years is flexing kickers. Absolutely. Because I hate kickers in fantasy. I've taken them out of all my leagues. But Scott has introduced them, and you can only flex them. You're not required to start a kicker. So a lot of folks ignore the position entirely. Would be, in my opinion, Ryan, would be foolish this year to ignore kicker entirely. Yeah, so kicker is very interesting this year. And I I actually missed this when I was writing the article. But, yes, you can flex kickers in if you're in an a league hosted on my fantasy league you i believe you cannot if you're playing on sleeper so because of how Mm. much kickers are scoring in this format 
that effect that not only it affects your strategy for how many, how often, how early to take kickers, but I think it also makes the other positions just more valuable on sleeper because you can't draft the 12th kicker and flex him and have him slot in for 13 fantasy points per game, which is about what the kicker 12 scored in this scoring last year. So I think depending on where your league is hosted, it should really affect your approach to the position. Uh, just talking about my fantasy league uh, leagues where you can flex them. I do think you want to draft multiple kickers, but I don't think you need to do it early because yes, right. while kick while kickers are doing things like outscoring wide receivers at fairly deep down the board, uh, the scoring within the kicker position is pretty flat. So the it was only a 6.6 points per game difference between Tyler Bass, the number one kicker, and Joey Sly, who was the, the last guy that qualified for my games threshold last season. I, you can, even between Bass and the kicker 12, was only about three fantasy points per game. A lot of them are just right around 12 or 13. So the, what we have here is a rather deep resource of flexible players that are all about the same. So I don't think you need to prioritize drafting them early, especially over positions where guys can break out. There's not really any such thing as like a breakout kicker, but if you're drafting a running back, even if he has a lower median projection than a kicker might for the season, running backs can break out, running backs yeah. can win more work, running backs can make a huge difference on your roster, giving you a positional advantage. You can't get that big of a positional advantage with kickers. They're just going to be useful to fill out your flexes. That's really fascinating. That's a really good point that you made. Um, and by the way, the, the kicker scoring is different because the entirety of it is decimal based. So a 20 yard field goal would be worth 2.0 fantasy points but an extra point will always be worth 3.3 unless it gets moved back because of a penalty. So extra points. So teams that score touchdowns and don't settle for field goals, those kickers can actually be more valuable. Like sometimes when we're talking kickers, um, like when you used to project kickers back in the day, one of the old adages was, oh, they, they always stall out in the red zone. I think like the Raiders kicker, Daniel Carlson, because Derek Carr is like the worst red zone quarterback of all time. He was always valuable because he was kicking field goals. In this scoring, Drake, 3.3 points for an extra point. Harrison Butker is going to be way up there. Jake Elliott's going to be way up there because those teams are going to score a lot of touchdowns. No question. And if you're playing in a format where you can play a kicker, you 100% should be rostering one and starting one every week. I did that last year. Uh, people were like, why are you playing a kicker? Again, look at the work Ryan did here. The baseline kickers, you know, from 12 to geez, almost 20 are scoring 13 points a week. You remember folks, when you get to the playoffs in this format, your weekly scoring average matters. So you need to make sure every single week you're scoring as many points as possible. They also give you victory points in the Scott fishbowl. So each week you can get two wins. You can win a, a regular uh, season, a regular head-to-head -head matchup. And then if you are one of the teams in your division that have scored, you know, in the top half of points, you get another victory. So points are everything in this format. That's what uh, we do in uh, in the fantasy points staff dynasty league, by the way, which, which I think it, it, it incentivizes putting the best roster on the field. So 
let me let me sum up what Ryan said. Ryan, you're essentially saying it doesn't necessarily matter what kicker you draft. What matters is you draft a couple of them, essentially. Yeah, exactly. If you if you're in a a format where you can flex them, yeah, you should be drafting multiple. Uh, I will say, as far as determining which ones to draft, yeah, as you said, the scoring for the extra points, especially, just makes the guys on good offenses much better. But Harrison Butker and Jake Elliott had what we would consider down years for kickers last year in normal scoring. Jake Elliott was a top five kicker in this format last year. Butker was the kicker number seven. And, the, and I mean, those were down years for these guys yeah. where Butker was dealing with an injury. Uh, Elliot just kind of had a lot of really bad luck as far as when he would be able to go for field goals. It, the Eagles it go makes, for it on fourth down all the time. Yeah, yeah, that as well. So, But it makes it easier to project which kickers are going to be good because, as I wrote about a ton in my kicker article a few months ago, we have these preseason win totals for all of these teams that – are good approximations of how good they're going to be on offense. So I even more so than in normal fantasy leagues, I would really, really prioritize kickers that are on these elite offenses, uh, the Butkers and the Elliots. And that might not be something people are used to because I, I agree. I think there's this thought about kickers that, oh, you kind of you kind of want the ones on mediocre offenses that stall out. And that that's just not the case at all in this format. So let's run through a couple of scenarios here. I have the one six. Joe, you said you have the one four. Three. One I'm, three. I'm three. Ryan's four. Ryan's four. So we're all in this top six. So let's kind of talk through. It's the first round. It's Monday. We're on the clock. As folks are listening to this, you're on the board, Joe. Travis Kelsey's gone at the one four. What are your thoughts? Are you going quarterback for sure? Or do you have any inkling to say, you know what? Maybe I'll take Christian McCaffrey here. Or maybe no, I'll take. I'm- TJ Hawkinson get crazy. This is this is Ryan at four. Okay. Yeah, at, at four, if Kelsey's gone, I'm absolutely taking a quarterback. Allen Mahomes and Hertz uh were three three, even in normal leagues, were three of the most valuable players you could have last season. That that's been a little bit different from years past as far as court, elite quarterbacks giving you such a big advantage. But I personally think it's mostly here to stay. Mahomes is probably the best QB of all time. Allen and Hertz are set, set up very well with their rushing and all of the weapons in their offenses. So that that's just a clear top four tier to me is those three guys and Kelsey. Joe, what about you? I am taking a quarterback. Okay. Uh, like I'm, I'm taking, uh, I'm going to take whichever one of Allen Mahomes and Hertz is left for me. Um, that's why I, I took one of the top three picks. By the way, let's also throw this out there. Um, Scott Fishbowl is third round reversal. Um, mm-hmm. So what that means is I will pick what, what happens is the third round reverses for those of you un, uninitiated to like NFFC style um, third round reversal means the third round flips. So as opposed to being like a normal snake draft where I would go one, three, two, 10, three, three, I go one, three, two, 10, three, 10, four, three. So the third round, the snake format flips in the third round that was invented um to offset the dominance of Ladanian Tomlinson in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. Um, it, uh, in Scott Fishbowl, it probably does even the field a little bit from the dominance of uh, a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes uh, type of guy. Um, Drake, I think if Kelsey goes before me, 
I'm probably leaving with either Hertz or Mahomes because I think those are my two favorite quarterbacks in this scoring. I actually just, I simply just think, A, Mahomes is just great, but I also just think the weaponry around those two guys is superior to the weaponry around Josh Allen. And we're splitting hairs here. Um, but like, you know, what what does the Bills have beyond Stephon Diggs? You know, the Kansas City's got Kansas City's got Kelsey, and then Mahomes can make it work with anybody. Jalen Hurts has AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, which is maybe, if not definitely, the best wide receiver, wide receiver tight end trio in the entire NFL. Um, Stefan Diggs is mercurial. I don't know. I, I just feel like, I, I mean, I, I'd happily take Allen if he's the third quarterback there, but I just feel like Mahomes and Hurts might be better bet, might just be safer bets to carry my team. So I'm leaving with a quarterback at 1 3. Last year, I, to steal the guru's line, zigged when others zagged, and I took Christian McCaffrey at the 1 6. And knowing that in these leagues, not everyone is an expert. Like Mike Clay is in my league. So Mike Clay is a sharp guy, he's going to draft good people. My strategy has always been trying to get into the obscure leagues that, you know, Gert from accounting won an entry and she doesn't know what she's doing or, you know, some guy that's going to be falling asleep at the wheel. Christian McCaffrey was a difference maker for me last year. But if you look at the rules for this year and how the scoring reflects it, his 29 and a half points per game would drop him behind, uh, behind Justin Fields and just ahead of Geno Smith. So, you see that you know quarterback is fairly deep at these high-end positions, but boy, you really want to get your hands on him. I think my strategy is going to be get my hands on, a, on an elite quarterback, wait a little bit for the second one, maybe target a guy like Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, who I see going in you know, the sixth, seventh round. I think those guys can be really, really useful. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you know, get a stud wide receiver and then just hammer away at running back. Yeah. I might take a wide receiver in the first three rounds and then just like not take one until like round 10. Like that, that really might be the strategy to go yeah. with because I'm seeing these running backs that are just that clearly have great value. Alexander Madison, like I said, is the most glaring one here. Somebody like Rashad Penny went in the 11th round in this draft, you know, Right, maybe I'll just pose this to you. I don't know where your what your head's at on Rashad Penny, but let's say I tell you Rashad Penny plays ten games this year. Like an eleventh round pick on Rashad Penny is going to look pretty freaking good in this scoring, in my opinion. There's a reason I have like twenty percent Rashad Penny on. Oh, okay, on you're you're a Penny guy. All right, I'm, I'm completely on that train. But yeah, I, I mean, even looking at like a Brian Robinson, that's like a much more boring, much less efficient mm -hmm. type of player than a Penny, but he's going to see probably a decent amount of carries, a lot of it being in short yardage. Like these are the types of running backs I would absolutely love to flex in a format like this, especially over the fringier wide receivers. So I kind of agree with you. If I can get an elite wide receiver, maybe to stack with a quarterback kind of early and then just sit, kind of say whatever for the position, I'm totally cool with that. The wide receivers I do want to draft are – the guys that can tear jump. I care even less about the median projection for a wide receiver because I'm not counting on them as yeah. like my flex stopgap in this format. I only care about if they can give me an advantage in that wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three slot where I have to play them. Brian so, Robinson uh, went 11-3 in this draft. Yeah. He scored the same amount of points last year as Devontae Smith. 
who went in the fourth round. So well, I mean, there's look, that's look a glaring at the team building. advantage. Glaring advantage if, if if the draft. Though of course I'm I'm sitting here thinking this. I'm getting all cocky, like, oh, that's a glaring advantage, and I'm gonna end up in the sharpest room of all time. Um <laughs> but so that actually raises an interesting point to me, Ryan. We talked about not to shit on Tyler Boyd, who's had an excellent NFL career, but you don't want Tyler Boyd in this scoring. Um, exactly. There is one name that's really standing out to me as the kind of receiver you do want. Kadarius Tony. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think this is a great format for a Kadarius Tony. Uh, I, I may, maybe the first down bonuses would even help a Kadarius Tony more than your average yeah. wide receiver. A lot of his usage has kind of been these designed gadgety type things that are just meant to pick up the first down, not necessarily as much like downfield stuff. So it, even if it stays like that, I, I think Tony has a an advantage over other wide receivers in the format. And then obviously, yes, his upside playing with Patrick Mahomes and what we've seen him do in very limited work. It could, if we are projecting that out, then yeah, he can be bananas. So why is it, why is let's, let's, let's even take it down the board a little bit further. Um, why is a guy like Tony or a guy, another name that might stand out to me is, is Gabriel Davis, who's coming off a disappointing season, but I think fits that archetype of, well, if he hits, he's going to hit, hit. Why are they so much more important than the Juju Smith-Schusters of the world? It, it, taking the entire question of roster building into, into full account. Yeah, so it's generally the more spots in your starting lineup, the more you should kind of care about floor and making sure you'll be able to get points out of every position every single week. But in a format like this, there's a ton of wide receivers that can average like 10 fantasy points per game that I mean that's kind of always been the case at the wide receiver position but especially here because they're even less valuable in those flexes you should only really care about the top ones and th this goes to Scott Barrett's upside wins championships ethos all of that applies even more so in a format like this and adding on to that it's a, if you're trying to win this it is a tournament against thousands of other drafters they're all going there are going to be a lot of combinations of players that you also have so you really need to be shooting for ceiling if you're trying to be competitive and stay competitive as you advance later into the playoff rounds i always found that working the waiver wire in this is as the season goes on, I think some people kind of fall off and they're like, well, there's no money on it and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to focus on my other leagues. If you're sharp on the waiver wire in the Scott Fishbowl, again, and you're picking up those kickers and you're moving around uh, the bottom end of your roster, you can really, really dominate. So uh, for you folks who are in the drafts this week, make sure that as the season goes on, it's not best ball. So <laughs> you can go in and improve your team as the season goes on. And that's what makes, you know, these having two or three quarterbacks guys, because if one goes down and it happened to me in the playoffs, that's why I'm not sitting here with a big ass trophy. Jalen hurts. Didn't play uh, in the, the playoffs for me. And then uh, didn't Justin Fields get knocked out or whatever happened. I just ended up starting Gardner Minshew, you know, in, in a playoff game, but uh, we'll wrap things up. Just some players that you think, you really would love to have on your team in this format. Maybe it's a quarterback, maybe it's a tight end, but when you yeah. walk out of here and you know the scoring, who do you kind of really want to have on your team when the, the dust settles after this week? Let's start with you, Ryan. 
Yeah, we mentioned a couple already. I really, really like Damian Pierce in this. Uh, just for all the reasons of two running backs tending to break out and increase their scoring. And also, as we said, we know he's going to be used in that sort of short yardage grinder role. So he is being relatively undervalued. Look at quarterback. I it just kind of thinking back to like what my strategy will be if I do make LC in round one. I'm going to be pretty happy if I can add like a Dak Prescott or even an Anthony Richardson at the end of the second or at the end of the third, just because those are guys that are, in Dak's case, he's going to be extremely solid. I know I won't have to worry about that QB slot. And Richardson has game-breaking upside with his rushing, very, very obviously. Uh, Richardson's someone that I don't think we have talked enough about somehow as an industry kind of since the NFL draft happened. I, I get that his ADP is like QB 11, QB 12 on underdog, but it, it, I feel like we haven't had like Anthony Richardson mania yet that we have had with guys like even Troy Lance in the past. So I, I think there's just more here. We know Richardson is going to be starving the majority of the games. Like, that, just having him, he he would be my biggest pick for like a tier jumper at quarterback, where he can finish very high above where he was drafted. So those are the type of players I'm always going after in the Scott Fishbowl. How about you, Joe? Who's somebody you'd love to have on your roster when everything's? Well, finished? I said I think Alexander Madison's the best um, value pick based on this Buffalo draft that we're looking at, and of course, like I said, these drafts can be so wild that he might go in the third round of my draft. I don't know. Um, it is going to be. Also, these kind of boring, non-receiving running backs on good teams. Rashad Penny, Isaiah Pacheco, I think, is, is somebody who could have a big advantage in this scoring. Um, the one guy who I think is going to be great value, he's already my most drafted best ball quarterback, is Bryce Young. And I just happen to think Bryce Young is really good. He was the number one draft pick. He plays in a division that's winnable. Like, Carolina might not be good. It might not matter because that's a division where they can make you like if you don't make the Panthers made the playoffs. I'm not gonna be shocked at all. They're, the Bucks are the zombie Bucks after Brady retired. Um, the Saints are breaking into Eric Carr. I'm not sure how good a coach Dennis Allen is. The Falcons Desmond Ritter at quarterback. So I don't think it would be shocking at all if Bryce Young quarterbacks the Panthers to nine wins this year, and he probably could complete 61, 62% of his passes. Um I think they'll take care of the football. I, I think they're going to – I think they're going to throw more because I just don't think Miles Sanders is the kind of guy who's going to be able to handle 270 carries, um, just from my personal experience watching Miles Sanders every year. Um, so Bryce Young is a guy who, who stands out as a value to me. I was – initially I was going to say uh, Kyle Pitts to this scoring, Drake, but he went in the third round of this draft. That's about where I expect him to go. If he fell lower than that, I would have said Kyle Pitts is the guy, but um, but no, Bryce Young it stands out to me, and I am going to be drafting the grossest, most stinkiest set of running backs you ever did see, and I am going to outscore the people who make the sexy picks at running back this year. I love it, and you mentioned unsexy picks at running back. My favorite target in this draft went in the seventh round, James Conner. James Conner, he of the Arizona Cardinals, and no one wants to talk about anybody in the Cardinals. James Conner finished as RB7 in this scoring last oh. year, and he's going in the seventh round. You know, he's going after Jones and Pierce and Sanders and Akers, and, I mean, who else are they going to give the ball to? 
So I, I love that. Like I said, other guys going late, Purdy, Jordan Love, two teams that very easily could make the playoffs with a lot of great skill position players. Love those guys as a QB2 option. Uh, and uh, I always love Dallas Goddard, so I got to give him a ton of love. Uh, last year, I think he was like, what, tight end three or four in this format? Tight end three, 22.7 points per game uh, before he got injured. He's going uh, late fourth round, so I'm all about it. Well, anything else on the Scott Fishbowl, guys, before we kick things off here and drafts go wild on Monday? I, I First and foremost, I would just say uh, follow Scott Fish on Twitter. Um, and make sure you um, go buy go buy a Scott Fishbowl T-shirt if you're participating. It's it's for a good cause. At least you can do. And I'm telling you, they are comfortable T-shirts. That it's not like the it's not like the stuff that that you get at like cheap college stores that feel like Brillo pads when you put them on. Now they they hook you up. That you look good and you feel good. No question about it. Uh, Ryan, you excited to get going here in Scott Fishbowl 13? Very excited. Yeah, this will be my first year drafting online. Last year, I was at a live draft in Boston. It was a lot of fun. I was really hungover. That's the main thing I, re- I remember about it. But I, hey, I'm in the Powerade division this year. So I, I'm nursing the Scott Fishbowl hangover, and I'm ready to take home a championship. Is there a Pedialyte division? I Good question. That's that's I, my uh, go-to if, I, if I'm really – like if I'm going to a wedding – I'm stopping at a convenience store. Drake, I'm going to, to a wedding up in Philadelphia in uh, in um, September. I'm uh-huh. hitting a Wawa, and I'm getting Pedialyte, and that is going in the fridge uh, of my of my hotel room because I have to fly back on Sunday morning to do the game day show. So I'm uh, I'm I'm going to be chugging Pedialyte. There should be a Pedialyte division. I don't know, Ryan, if you've been into the Pedialyte, but that that's my go-to if I drink to. It's been a while since I had a, a Pedialyte hangover, though. Man, if you need me, tag me and I'll be ready to, to fill in for you if you're too groggy. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. It's just a lot about our, our staff here. You and I are in beer divisions. Ryan's in the Powerade. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where everybody else is. Let me find out where Brawley is. He, uh, he, he, probably, uh, he had a big, big liquor one. Let's see here. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can if I can find my anyway, Drake. You send send it out. I'll tell you where Brawley is. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us again. Go support fantasycares.org. Oh. <laughs> Good luck. Uh oh, did you find he's him? in he's in Bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bra- exactly. Brawley Brawley always talks about the Bush Tush. So he he he, he picked the Bush division. So uh, that, that is right on brand for T Bro. Go grab us some Bush Light Peach now available in the store near you. (laughs) All right, everybody. Good luck in the Scott Fish Bowl. We're so proud to be involved in it. And, of course, go over to FantasyPoints.com. Check out all the great stuff we have going on there. And uh, watch out for that data package that's launching soon. Right, Mr. Dolan? Uh, I think we have targeted July 17th. Woo! Can't wait. All right, folks. Good luck. Thank you, Ryan. Follow him on Twitter at QBL Ryan. We'll see you guys next time on the Two Points Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.